Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Imagine if your loved one was murdered. Okay? So your loved one is murdered. And there's a case built and an accusation made and an arrest is made and a charge is brought forward. And then before you get to court, the person accused of the murder dies. Therefore, the case can go nowhere. Jared Lynch, uh, who was 68 from a place called Rally North in McCroom, had been charged with the murder of a man called Derry Coakley. Uh, he was a 60-year-old man from Corraheen in Raleigh North also in 2018. I remember covering the case. I remember the morning the story broke. I remember it, the arrest being made and everything due for the trial. And then, and then, Gerard Lynch died. Deirdre Coakley is Derry's daughter. Deirdre... You've written to the Minister for Justice a passionate letter in the last number of days. What are you asking, Minister McEntee? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. I'm, my condolences again. I, I, it just, I, remember, I remember the case very well. I remember it breaking while I was on the air here. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, It's been a whirlwind, I suppose, of the last three years. I, I can't believe it's three years. Um, I suppose... I wrote to the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, because from my experience of the justice system, I, I see that it's extremely dated. There's so many gaps there that need attention and like a few key areas that I've, I've pointed out from, from being there like is the wait time from trial, crime to trial, reading a victim impact statement, even if the trial can't go ahead, um, allowing Gardaí to have the authority to obtain medical records of the accused and the accused to participate in medical che- excuse me, checks if asked to do so. Um, another thing I, I really noticed, I, I want to focus in and as well, PJ, is the mental health supports and resources in the courts. They're just not there. Yeah. They're not there. Bring us back to the timeline. I pre- you'll appreciate, dear, dear listeners, tend to forget these things because they don't come into their own lives. So, so Dad was killed in October, and then... Yeah. It was pretty much an open and shut case, wasn't it? The charge. Absolutely. So the the 24th of October 2018 and the arrest was made that day. The charge was made uh, with murder for Gerard Lynch. Like, um, it was clear cut. Gerard Lynch did it. But it's still, we were waiting till 2020 for a trial. Um, They said definitely not 2019, 2020 if you're lucky. Um, so we were considered lucky to have the trial to go ahead in 2020. Mm. Um, is, and when did when did um, Lynch die? 
So he died in August of 2020. The trial was supposed to go ahead in October of 2020. My mom and I were actually in the criminal court in Dublin um, the day he died in August. We were at a hearing where the DPP were presenting ways to the judge, Paul McDermott, in which the trial could go ahead even if he couldn't get into the court. Mm. So they just wanted to receive that plea. So they were presenting ways via video link, um, have your court in his house. Um, the judge rejected these ideas and we were told, no, there's going to be no trial. Because it had been known, had it not, for quite a while that he was terminally ill. It came to the surface during the summer and it was actually my guard, the liaison officer, which I'm grateful for, Lisa Hyde, brought it to, to us as a family. She said he doesn't seem to be well, but like they couldn't ask for records. He then presented them with records that he was terminally ill when this, the trial started coming closer. Like he knew he didn't want to go to trial. He knew he wouldn't get there because he presented these records. So then the panic happened of trying to get him in. Like I was, I was rang one day and in, in during the summer in July uh, saying that the trial's going ahead tomorrow because he's getting too sick with times, not times against us. And I had to write my victim impact statement in a matter of, of hours. and was like, had to psych myself up mentally to get a phone call a few hours later saying, actually we, we can't go ahead. His, his solicitors have said no. And, Eventually what happened was there's a thing called a nolle prosequi, which means no cause for prosecution. That was entered, um, case closed, uh, man who killed your dad, or who was charged with killing your dad, uh, he's dead, and you feel dad got no justice. Oh, it it's, it severely upsets me, PJ. Um, it's just like, yeah, as you said, like, case closed. Case closed, that's it. Off you go now. Get on with your life, I suppose, uh, in a way. Um, like, I know that, like, I suppose people are asking me, was there some kind of ease that he died charged with murder? Not really. Like, he never got to see me. He never got to see the effects of what he had done yeah. has caused on, on me and my family. He never got to face up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just not, not good enough. Um, I suppose I still I like I feel at the end of a trial like that, reading a victim impact statement, or given the option, like brings the case back home. You didn't it get to do that. that no, it's it's been on my laptop since that day. It's on my desktop. You know, it's it's there. It's it's something I read over because it's it's some it's really from the heart and it brings the case back to not just a case, it was my dad, he took the most important, one of the most important people away from me. Would you do something for me, Deirdre? Would you summarise what's in that statement for for the listeners to the opinion line? How did this affect you and your family? It was, (laughs) it's just, it's so hard to explain what a hole in my heart and my life and my family's life that Gerard Lynch has left after taking my dad away from me. I suppose in my victim impact statement, uh, I talked about, I spoke about um, my dad and I's relationship, how it was getting so much stronger. Um, He taught me how to drive, (laughs) had so much patience and would do anything and everything for me. And um, I suppose how he didn't deserve to die that way, PJ. Tell me about him. What was Derry like? What kind of a man was he? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, he, oh, I think I can speak from McCroom as well. Like he, he was such a caring, kind man who definitely kept us safe on the roads by <laughs> salting the roads in the winter. Like, and I'd be like, oh, Dad, like, watch out, that's so dangerous because <laughs> he'd just take off in his four tractor and salt spreader at the back and I'd be like oh dad that's so dangerous like he'd be going up everywhere and anywhere mm-hmm. hills and all that but um, he's like no no I, it's my job I keep everyone safe and like he would he honestly would do anything someone said at the time and the funny the story you've told there is someone described him in a message here to the programme as he was the salt of the earth in that case he certainly <laughs> was wasn't he he was indeed yeah he never do you know he was such um, a man to keep himself to himself he never caused any aggro and if there was any ag- aggravation or issues in my life he'd always say look try to work him out walk away from a fight like and that's not something I'm just I'm just saying because of what happened but he was just a very non-fighting man. Mm. And so for this to happen is just extremely hurtful because he didn't bring it on. You know, yeah. he did nothing. Yeah. It, it's just... And, and tell me, what, is there anything that Minister McEntee could do now to help ease the hurt that you and your mom are going through? To answer that, PJ, No. Um, there's nothing that be, can be done for my dad, for my mom or I or the family because um, it, it's it's case closed basically. There's there's nothing. But I I'm here and I'm I'm want to I suppose campaign and speak out for other for the, for the other you know for the others that will be coming through the system unfortunately and to improve it make the nightmare that like victims survivors and victims' families are, are going to go through easier. I'm bringing in those mental health supports change, and those changes that I, I have mentioned and highlighted above might ease a bit of it. Like, if we had a little bit of support that time, you know, it would have been, everything would have been helpful. And you know, here's a question that might go through uh, uh, somebody's mind, dear, and I'll be very careful how I'll phrase it. So, so Lynch died, and yes, you didn't get the day in court. He didn't get convicted of what he did to your dad. But also, you don't face the prospect. He was only 68. He could well have been out of prison while you're still a very young woman, and probably while your mum is still alive. So you don't ever face that prospect now. And that gives you no comfort. No, absolutely none. Um, he didn't face up to what he did. And that's one of my huge things. Okay, he could have been left out, whatever, um, in the time that I would still be alive. But at least he would have been in prison and away from all his comforts and, and all the things that he died with. Yeah, I'm not correct. sure if you're allowed to answer this question if you not tell me. Did he ever at any point through his legal representatives or anybody offer a single word of apology or anything? Not a word, PJ. And 
it's something that deeply upsets me because I wanted to go and see him. I wanted to be put before him to show him and tell him like what he has done to me. And I, I was I kept pushed back by the legal team. Not not an option. Yeah. That, that would be a thing called restorative justice and we're, there's a long talk about that. You had great help, I think, from the wonderful Sally Hanlon in support after crime services. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Sally, Sally and Sharon were excellent and like I was so lucky to have them in Cork like and you know, I, I just feel for the other people uh, up the country, like around the country like that, wouldn't be so lucky to have them near. Um, I know they're available by phone, but like again, their voluntary service, PJ, you know, that's, they're not like, they don't, they're doing that from the good of their hearts. Like, there's nothing in the courts, you know, that my mom and I weren't offered counselling that day that the news broke that there was nothing more. There wouldn't be a trial. We were just told that. We said, they said, look, there's not, going to be anything there's no more we could do and we were t- we were told that and that was the most heartbreaking news and then a lady came in and said the room was needed and then that was it we were put on the train down to cork and got the phone call saying George Lynch had died on the way down so it how was, do you how do you process we just to... how do you process that that there's no trial there'll be no justice the man who killed your dad has died himself how do you process that knowing that and finding that out? It's still something I'm working on, to be honest with you. Um, it's such a, a, a heavy blow. Um, I suppose I, I felt myself I was going to leave my grieving until the trial, which is a really bad way of dealing with it. But I went back to college straight away um, after dad dying to keep my mind off it. And I said like that, you know, the trial will be coming. I need to be strong until then. And at that point, I can I can deal with it. But then to get that massive news and disappointment, it hurt me beyond beyond belief and my mom. And it's just something that I just hope never happens to anyone else. It's, it's a horrific thing to experience. You've asked Minister McEntee to meet you. What would you like to say at that meeting were it to happen? I'd love for, for Minister McEntee to, to meet me. Like I'd love for the opportunity to tell her about the above points, tell her about my experience. And I'm not there, you know, to give out. I'm there so that we could work together um, with her and her team to start implementing a change, address the system, improve it and just bring those resources that are, are really lacking in. Uh, it's 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 kind of unbelievable to say that there is no mental health supports in the court or, or mm. those basic kind of things. Deirdre, I take it that, again, Christmas is a very hard time for yourself and your mum. Mm. But I will wish you well. And we may talk again. Thank you so much, PJ. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Happy Christmas to you as well. And to you, Deirdre, and to your mum. That's Deirdre Coakley, daughter of the late Derry Coakley. Um, tragic case, tragic case. I wonder where it will go. Courts 96 FM.